Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is financial advisor Jody Lynn Craven. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Indeed, we are midweek, and uh, we're also in celebratory mood because, uh, Jody, I didn't tell you this before we got started, but Monday was episode number 1800. So I wow. on Monday, yeah. Yay! <clears throat> and this coming Monday is the 10th anniversary of doing the podcast. So two milestones going on this month. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah. It's huge. Well, it shows what happens when you have a lot of fun over a long period of time. You reach milestones. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and we get to celebrate. You do. Hey, how about that? Let's yeah. celebrate. Woohoo! I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> and we have somebody to celebrate with today. His name is Jamal Javanji. He is a life coach. He uh he, he's basically traveled the world. He well, let's let's give you the lot the broader view. He he's an author. He has about twenty years experience working with people in various stages of personal struggle and challenges. He's traveled to uh, many cultures around the world. He's now a full-time life coach. He's passionate about serving individuals, couples, companies, groups on the path toward enlightenment, wholeness, and liberation. Sounds like our kind of guy. Jamal, welcome yeah. to the program. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. And congratulations on the success of your show. And that's yeah, fantastic. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things you, you, you start doing it and then you do it a little bit more and you do a little bit more. You keep doing it and you have fun. And you have more fun. You do more. And all of a sudden you reach miles. So it's like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> totally. One step at a time. <laughs> exactly. What's the, if I tried to do that in, in one leap, forget it. It possibly happen. You probably would have given yourself a headache thinking about 1800 episodes and 10 years. No, like I just... would have just quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. 1800. Are you kidding? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I, that's a great way to intimidate yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do 1800 episodes. Oh my God. I'm so exhausted. Just thinking <laughs> that, that's the way it would come across. Right. I'm one day in and quit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Jamal, we got to know a little bit more about you. So, so I mean, I gave like the ten thousand foot view, but give us like you know the one thousand foot view. Tell us a little bit more about your life. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. Well, uh, as we were talking a little bit before we came on air here, um, I, my wife and I, we live in a little mountain community about an hour and a half east of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, love it up here. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, shout out to Columbus. Yes, big Buckeye fan. Uh, so, uh, but that's where I'm, that's where I was born and raised. Um, my father is, uh, originally from a little island off the East coast of Africa called Zanzibar, which is now part of Tanzania. Okay. Right. And, uh, my mother, uh, grew up in a rural community, Southeastern Ohio near West Virginia. So very different culture. Yeah. <laughs> very completely different. So I grew up in a, uh, multicultural family, um, very religious family also. My dad was a very devout Muslim. My mom was a very devout Catholic. She actually wanted to be a nun. Whoa, there's, now there's a combination right there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> totally, totally. So, uh, so I ha, I had a, I ha, I feel very fortunate actually to be exposed at, just from the start of my life to so many different streams of thought, mm-hmm. um, different cultures, that kind of thing. Um, but I've all, always been passionate, um, about the deeper questions of life. You know, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What's the point of all this? That those, that was a question as early as far back as I can remember. You Did know, you ever find the answer? The... No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually I did, but it, you did? Um, oh, okay. Um, but it, 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 it's been a journey. It's been a, it's been a quite the journey. And so I've always been passionate about people to some degree. Um, I, um, been very passionate about, you know, wanting to help people, not suffer, uh, in life. Mm-hmm. And that's always been something that's just, and that, that has a lot to do with my own journey, you know, w- watching my parents go through certain life challenges mm-hmm. and always feeling a deep sense of, uh, just a desire to help. And, um, that was instrumental for me to get into the work that I'm doing. I was, I've been a corrections officer in my past, worked at a wow. state penitentiary for about five mm-hmm. years. Uh, I've been, uh, I became very religious for a period of my life. I was a pastor of a local church for a while. Wow. And, um, and then of course, um, that all worked until it didn't work hmm. for me. And, uh, then, uh, my life came unraveled. I had to, 
uh, figure out why and uh, learn to uh, put it back together to experience healing, transformation internally that led me eventually into uh, the work as an author and uh, podcaster and um, and eventually life coach. Interesting. Wow. And Jody, I'm sure can second this, how often the best coaches are the ones whose lives unravel, to use your term. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. hundred percent. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't be doing this work if, if my life had not unraveled. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, because, uh, for, for many years, I, my passion was to help people and to, and to help people not suffer and figure out the reasons they were suffering. But what I didn't realize was my desire to help people was really the desire to help myself. Um, yeah. I just, I didn't realize that, Hey, it starts with you. You can't start, you can't try to change the world if you haven't changed you, if you haven't, I know that sounds cliche, but honestly, um, the world is my reflection of the, it's the reflection of how I see myself, uh, my own inner journey. So I did not know that I thought, uh, <clears throat> I was this, this little person trying to change this big, bad world out there. And if I could just change the world and I felt very powerless in that, but I didn't realize that, uh, I was all projection of my own inner sense of powerlessness and that doesn't that. sound cliche to me. I may sound cliche to others, but it does mm. not sound cliche to me in part because one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn. And I know personally, many people who have agreed that they went through the same kind of thing is to learn that you have to have something to give before you can give it. Mm-hmm. We often skip that part. They're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to solve. Yeah. But if you can't solve your own thing, how can you solve the world? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You have to have one before you have the other, but so often we just skip over step one, go right to step two. Oh, totally. Well, my biggest thing is like, look, if it doesn't work for me, why do I want to, why would I want to broadcast it or, or, or to, to, to get it out to other people? It has to work here first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's been the biggest thing for me is just learning how to live well, um, yeah. and how to, how to be in a non-resistive, uh, state with life. Boy, we're gonna have so much to talk about here. This is great. Yes. <laughs> you want to jump in before I jump in, Jody? Well, I was just gonna say it sounds like the <clears throat> the living for a living, which is the title of your book, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yep. Beautiful. Well, I hope that we get to talk more about that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I want to jump on a phrase that you used. I loved it. You said, "Not suffer." Why to help people to not suffer. <laughs> and suffering is something that we, we haven't had it as a major topic lately for a number of years on the podcast. It was a big topic mm. and we usually juxtaposed it with struggle, suffer and struggle. Mm. And I'm curious to know what your take is on those two words. Do you see them as similar, different? I've had people tell me they're practically opposite. So I'm, I'm curious to know what your view is. Struggle and suffering. Okay. You yes. know what? I, I, I like to, I do see struggle and suffering as being pretty synonymous because mm-hmm. it, they're both to me forms of resistance, struggle and suffering there. It's, it's a uh-huh. resistive posture towards life. Uh, you know, there's a difference between pain and suffering. A lot of people think they're the same thing. And, and I would, I would draw a distinction between the two because pain is a part of life. Pain, there are painful events that happen. They're difficult. They're, they're challenging events that happen, of course. And so, um, that's, Pain, pain is a quality. It's a, it's a, it's a physiological, almost a response to, uh, things that happen in life. Now, pain, the, the, the beautiful thing about pain is that it, it comes and it goes. It does not last. Um, suffering is a bit different, however. And I like to equate it. The example I like to use is something as simple as like, let's say you, uh, this happened to me actually just a few weeks ago in the middle of the night. I got up, uh, and, uh, I left something in the middle of the floor in my bedroom. Um, it was actually a little dumbbell and I stubbed I, my foot, just ran my foot right into it and it was excruciating pain. And when that happens, you know, the world, everything comes to a halt. Life is over as we know it. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. all I can think about is my big toe that's throbbing. It's all my attention, energy focuses on that big toe. That's pain that lasted usually lasts about 90 seconds. So about after about 90 seconds and that's, that's if it's, that's a, that's a severe pain, right? 90 mm. seconds. After about 90 seconds, you start to get your senses back. You know, your, your, your sense of awareness starts coming back. Okay. Life is not over. Okay. I can think about something else other than this toe. Um, that's pain. Suffering, however, is a little bit different. So let's just say I stub my toe. It's excruciatingly painful, right? 
Suffering would be, obviously it's painful, but after the 90 seconds, I start to think about who left this thing in the middle of the floor. <laughs> I can't believe that, you know, this is the story of my life. Nothing ever turns out the way, I mean, I can't even walk across the floor. I can't even walk across the floor without something like this happen. This is a story of my life. I live with inconsiderate people. Nobody ever picks up after themselves. You know, I have a whole narrative, right? So there's a narrative that's running. That's suffering. That, that, that will last a lot longer than the event. So I heard it put this way that pain is an event. Suffering is the story or the meaning we give to that event. Mm. And it's, it's a narrative. So that's where I draw the distinction between pain and suffering. Well, there's also, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit here. There are also people who experience pain a lot longer than 90 seconds, particularly people yes. uh, experiencing a, a severe disease of some kind, sure. uh, injury. You know, a burn victim comes to mind. That person's going to be feeling pain for a long time. Sure. Um, so, so there are going to be a lot of instances where it's not just a 90-second pain. I, I like to totally. point that out. Oh, sure. No, that's a good point. Great point. Um, so in that context, then does that color your distinction between suffering and pain, or does it still remain the same? Oh, no, it, it's the same in the sense that when I say 90 seconds, that's the initial event, like a not speaking about something that's long, but like that's yeah, a, if you stubbing the toe, right? For example, like you stub your toe or even if somebody delivers some news to you, you know, you mm-hmm. hear some news, some tragic news, the shock, when your system goes into shock, it's about 90 seconds before you can actually begin to get your senses back within that first 90 seconds of a state of shock. Um, your, all your resources, your, you know, are diverted to, trying to, you know, address what's actually happening here and you can't focus on anything last. So it's a physiological response is that 90 seconds, um, as far as our reaction there. But what, but to your point, uh, when somebody's dealing with like a chronic illness and the, you know, there's, there's physical symptoms that obviously are painful symptoms that are going on and on. Um, it's, it's still obviously a painful event. Now the story we tell about it and how we perceive that can determine whether or not that pain turns to suffering or not mm-hmm. for sure which basically means that you are in agreement that you may be thinking about suffering and uh, struggle different from the way other guests have but you're in agreement with most of them saying that suffering is a choice it isn't something oh, yeah. that happens to us and that's a tough one and i yeah i totally agree with that it is a choice it's not a choice that people are always conscious that they're making however mm-hmm. because these narratives that are happening there a lot of times they're they're happening at the at the level of the subconscious um so there's certain narratives we have about ourselves certain narratives we have about how the world works and so these narratives aren't conscious a lot of people don't even realize and so they don't realize that they're actually perpetuating their suffering um by choosing to to keep telling the same story or choosing to see a certain event in a certain light, you know, and then, and, and for them, it's not a choice. They just, it just feels this way. Um, but, right. but at a, at a basic level, I mean, we are perpetuating it through, um, an agreement and this, these agreements are happening often at the subconscious level. We agree on certain set of presuppositions, right? This is how this is. And it's usually a, per, a perception of self that they're not aware of, mm-hmm. um, that's causing the pain. And I, that, this was the story of my life for years. Um, I kept experiencing a certain set of events that were causing me, quote unquote, I thought were causing me pain, right? But, um, but in reality, it was, it was these scripts happening at the unconscious, subconscious level that were perpetuating these events that I thought had no connection to my mm-hmm. own internal dialogue. I thought these were just random events that kept happening to me and I'm just a victim to the way life is or to some other person or a group of people that I deemed as the bad people, you know, mm-hmm. or the problems. And this was the story of my life. It was a broken record until I could see the script. And when I saw the script, I realized I was perpetuating this. That's, that's a, a bit that's of a, a shock. It, it, it's a big shock, really. I, it, my, I don't remember if I mentioned this last week with you, Jody, or if it was on one of the other days that I do the show. Um, but I referenced the AB, um, the um, Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. There's a line mm-hmm. that comes out of that, which is really fabulous. It comes from the woman who plays the psychotherapist. She says, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> the <totally>. truth? <laughs> it is. I've been hearing that's a lot about the show, by the way. I've heard that's a great show. You've got to see this show. The yeah. first two or three episodes are painful. 
because mm -hmm. they're set up as, a, as such a stereotypical sitcom and you have mm -hmm. to kind of get through them. But once you get through them, you get to a point where all of a sudden to your surprise and shock and delight, the characters start behaving like human beings <laughs> and carry on behaving like real humans from that point on. And that's what hooks you in because now mm -hmm. you really want to find out what's going to happen with these people. Whereas before sure. it was just, you know, cardboard characters that you made funny of like, well, it's silly. This is ridiculous. So the whole concept is crazy and all that. And then they start behaving like humans. Oh, I wonder what that person's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, excellent. It deserved every year, Emmy award that it got. Every single one of them. It really is. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So mm -hmm. binge watch it. You'll love it. <laughs> just just get through the first three episodes. They're the tough totally. ones. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Homework for this evening. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It has so, one of my favorite things. In it. Oh, my God. It has so many, <laughs> I, I just love some of the things that are coming out. And I'm not a TV watcher. My wife will tell you. She's the TV watcher. Yep. I, what I don't watch TV. But what a great medium, right, to communicate some of these deeper truths. Oh, you know, I've heard that about Ted Lasso and yeah. shows like that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Love it. Oh. Sorry, Jody. What were you going to say? I was just going to say when when you realized it for yourself, um, like what finally clicked for you that it was you, and 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 then what? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> well. <laughs> As we talked about earlier, like it, the truth really will piss you off first yes. before, before, you know, it sinks in. And I actually had a, a friend of mine to answer your question. I had a friend of mine that really it needed to be blunt with me because I, you know, I was pretty hard headed and I was stuck in a cycle, a loop, a narrative. And uh, this was after a period where I'd went through a lot of just a lot of loss and I was, I was blaming everybody. I mean, I had, a list of people I was angry with. And I was sitting on the couch one evening with a friend of mine who she had been so kind to me. And like, she was one of the few people, one of the few people that I saw as they really stuck by me. And this, this person was so loyal to me. And that she, you know, she had, she, she just really understood me. And I was just one of the few friends I had uh, at that point in time that I felt really comfortable with uh, sharing all the, all these things about my life. And so I was, you know, kind of just, doing what I normally do, just lamenting, angry, spewing. And she had this really irritated look on her face. And um that was different because she was always so kind and patient and, you know, just, so I kind of noticed that, oh, she doesn't look happy. So I'm like, I wonder what's going on. So I said, are you okay? Like you, you, you look a little upset. And she's like, well, she's like, I just wonder if you ever listen to yourself. I was mm. like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, do you ever just hear what you're saying? She's like, you're like a broken record. Like, <laughs> You, you say the same things over and over and over. And, uh, I just like, if you ever just stop and listen to yourself, like, I don't think you're going to like what you're hearing Ooh. because I don't like, because I don't like what I'm hearing. Ooh. I mean, that was basically the essence of what, and I was shocked. I mean, it took me back because I didn't expect that. I was like, not you. And then the narrative picked up. Oh, you're here. You, here we go again. You're just like everybody else. You, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're going to turn on me just like everybody else has and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of went into this entire narrative and, uh, woe is me. And I said, you know, it, it, it must be nice to be you know, to sit from your vantage point, you know, where you haven't went through what I went through and I played the victim and that I've been through this and I've been through that. You haven't experienced any of that. So it must be nice for you to sit in your place of judgment. <laughs> and, um, and I just said, uh, and, and that was, and she just looked at me and she said, you know, um, she said, well, I've listened to you and I've been with you. I've heard all of this. I'm just, I'm tired of it. And uh, I think I'm just going to go, go to bed. Good night. Wow. And wow. I was sitting and I was like, and then I, that really infuriated me. Infuriated me. I was like, <laughs> oh, you're going to just leave and go to bed. I was like, I wish I could go to bed. I wish I could just erase all of this, um, this, this, all, all this drama that has been going on in my life. And I wish I could just forget about it and go to sleep. Just like you again, must be nice to be privileged. And she looked at me, she goes, Oh, you can, you can go to bed. If you want, you could sit on this couch and you can commiserate all night, or you can choose to go to sleep. It's your choice, but I'm going to bed. Good night. She left. <laughs> wow. I, I remember great. sitting there. Oh, I was sitting there and I was infuriated, but then I thought I was like, it, something clicked. It was like wow. an epiphany. It, just, it was That's a light true. bulb just went off. And I thought, I have a choice right now. I could, my focus can shift from my own drama narrative. I was I'm going through in my mind, or I could just choose 
to lay down and go to sleep. And I saw that choice for the first time in my life. I know it sounds, sounds crazy. I never saw that choice before. And in that wow. moment, I, I thought, I'm going to go to sleep because I'm tired. Wow. I'm tired of this. So I went, I laid down, I went to sleep. I slept like a baby for the first time in years that night. I woke up. There was a new sense of energy and vitality in me. And when I woke up, I thought all of this energy just from a choice, knowing that I had the power to choose where my focus went. And, and, and it was just a small choice of do I stay up and commiserate or do I choose to go to sleep? And when I realized I had that choice, I thought, is that the only choice I have? Do I have more choices? <laughs> and I yeah. realized Good question. I have a lot, a lot more choices where I can direct my focus again. And we've heard the adage where focus goes, energy flows. I didn't know that. But I realized it. That was the that was the beginning of me realizing where I put my focus is my choice and nobody else's choice. Mm-hmm. Boy, what it's a great example alone. of you know the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. And boy, yeah. it'll piss you off. Totally. <laughs> I want to know imagine. what you said to her the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's actually a really good question. I I cannot remember. Um, I just remember. I, I remember. Um, being just filled with gratitude. And I think, uh, there was no anger, no resentment. I didn't need to hear any explanation on her end uh, from her, you know, just because I just, and I look back at that and I think I felt just filled with gratitude because if she hadn't said that to me, I don't know where I'd be right now. I don't think I'd be sitting here having this conversation with you guys. I'm pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty confident. Mm. Something so small as a choice to go to sleep or stay in my, in my narrative, like that, the implications, it literally set, the, it changed the course of my entire life. That but one clearly it decision. wasn't small. I mean, yeah, I understand what you mean when you say that yeah. it was small, but clearly it wasn't small. It yeah. was huge. Yeah. The, the, the real, what, the, the whole thing about smallness or bigness, I think, comes down to how do you perceive it? Yes. How, did, how do you feel it and experience it and think about it? And mm-hmm. maybe at the time, maybe you did think of it as small, but clearly you remembered it so much that it, it's a lot bigger than small. I mean, you, you very, you know, deprecatingly said it's small, but I could tell from the story it wasn't small. That, no. It was big. <laughs> what, what if, what if there really are no small decisions? What if everything Ooh. is, what if, what if every decision is consequential, whether we can see it or not? And when we say something small, maybe at the time we're not realizing the implications or the trajectory of yes. what, what's happening. But, uh, what if there are no small decisions? <laughs> Uh, what if it's actually true that every decision we make has impact? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'll I'll go on to uh, I'm not sure I can turn this into a story because I can't think of a particular instance where this applies. It's, this is just sort of part of the the long term trajectory of my own life. But I've come to, to realize over time just how self contradictory I am to <laughs> myself. And how much we all really are. And, and, and I contradict myself in ways that for years I didn't even realize I was doing. And I didn't I even recognize the contradictions as, even if they would be pointed out to me in a very conscious way, I wouldn't have even recognized them as contradictions. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have recognized them as canceling each other. Mm. It, it's one of those things that takes time to to really come to grips with it. That's what's happening. But for me, my my aha moment was listening to an Abraham Hicks recording in which they talked about, uh, you know, why they were answering the question, why is it that things don't always show up if you're trying to manifest stuff? Sure. And the answer was basically about self-contradiction. I don't remember exactly what they said, but the gist of it was, okay, here's what you asked for. How'd you spend the rest of your day? And when mm. I heard that, I instantly had this wash of, over me that said, oh, my God, because I know how I spend the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. I was I was self-honest enough to acknowledge and admit, oh, my God, the, the rest of my day has nothing to do with being consonant with this thing that I just asked for. In fact, mm-hmm. most of it's at odds with it. And I actually mm-hmm. got scared at that point because mm-hmm. I said, how on earth am I going to reverse all of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot. That, that actually became a, a topic of conversation here on the podcast for the first few years of the podcast with my good friend Joel Elston. He he actually helped me unravel a lot of that stuff because mm. I was really concerned. I was scared about that because I recognize. Oh, sure. I mean, I think studies have said that eighty percent of our thoughts on average are negative. I I would have put it closer to ninety five, and mm. I recognized it in myself. I said, "How on earth am I going to re- reverse all of that?" It, mm. it seemed overwhelming. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what made it my aha moment when I said, I don't know how to do that. Mm. That's good. It's really good. You know, and, and I think that, I think the work, my, my perception is that when we become aware, so a lot of how we, because that's the question, that's the million dollar question. How do we transform this? Right. I would say, what if, what if we transform simply by observing, right? When we see something that's maybe out of alignment or not in alignment with what we are professing we want or desire, then you just observe it. You, you see it because a lot of these actions are coming from unconsciousness. Yeah, we, we wouldn't choose this if we were conscious uh, of it. But as soon as you become aware, you say, oh, okay, it naturally begins to, to correct itself. Um, so just by observing it. And then of course, with that observation comes, okay, well, well, if, if I'm not, if I'm not acting in the way that's in alignment with what I want, then, um, just as soon as you see that, then the, a new option, a new possibility comes into view. And, um, and then that's what we end up doing eventually. Eventually, but also in the meantime, and again, this is the way I experienced it. I would try to do what you just described, mm-hmm. but I find myself overwhelmed with all of the different, <clears throat> I'll call them pre-programmed ways that I was used to responding to things. So just as I was addressing this one, I was throwing this one in like, oh no, here's another one. And I'm throwing that one in. And that's my <laughs> usual thing. It's like, I can't keep up with all of this. You know, yeah. I, I'm addressing one and there are five others coming in at the same moment. I mean, they weren't actually at the same moment, but that's what it felt like because mm-hmm. I had so much uh, momentum mm-hmm. built up with all these old narratives. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we have narratives running through our heads all the time. And the big challenge is rewriting those narratives. Changing oh, them totally. And, and totally. Through all the tool sets that we have to do that. But when you're first facing that, oh, God. I, I mean, yeah. it's interesting to me. A lot of people who have been on the show, for instance, have told me that wasn't really the way they experienced it. They, they experienced it kind of learning that message slowly over time. They weren't really mm. overwhelmed by it. So that it was more like, uh, I know what I have to do. Let's just go after it. For me, mm-hmm. it was like, I want to run away from it. I can't handle this. <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> totally. Well, it's, it's like anything <clears throat> when, when the to-do list gets too large, we feel overwhelmed. Right. Yes. Um, mm. and that's, 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 that could be very practical, right? If you have, 20 things to do today, you can feel overwhelmed. So I always like, there's a principle. I always, you know, it's called chunking, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take my to-do list down from 20 to three and I'll say, okay, well, really just this three. And yeah, those other 17, um, are still there, but, um, but I'm not focusing on it because my to-do list is now three. So it's just when you, when you can really hone the focus in on, okay, this is where my attention, I'm going to divert my attention to these three things. Then it feels much more manageable. So that, you know, um, and part of that is due to our program as well, because sometimes if we have, I think people who, and this is just a kind of an observation I have, those are people who have big vision, right? They want to do so many huge things to change the world. Well, the, the, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed because our, our, our perspective is so wide, right? We're looking at, you know, where there's so many things to be done and it can, we can, it can set, it can feel like there's not enough time or energy to do all of them. Right. And so then that can be, that can also lead to feeling overwhelmed. I actually think it's, it could be a, it can work for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also another story that we tell that there's not enough time. Right. You know, I don't have enough time to do all of the things I found for me on my journey um, with, with the lists and everything else is that I, I, for women, women are different when it comes to lists than men. I don't know if you guys knew this, but hmm. for a woman, there is a perfect woman that exists in our head that does all of the lists <laughs> perfectly. She's better looking also. She's better at, you know, being a wife or a mother or like, you know, she's better at everything. She's perfect. And, um, from my studies, I've realized that men don't really have this perfect person that they live up to. <laughs> it's just women. But for me, looking at all of that stuff, you know, I would have 10 things on my list. I would never be able to narrow it down to three because I'd still think about the other ones that are on that other list over there sure. and then beat myself up for not perf- being perfect and getting it all done. So for me, where that changed was addressing or observing that story you know, do I actually need to get all of this done today? Like, mm. yes. Okay. Well, what, 
what's the narrative behind that? Well, I have to get it done because if I don't get it done, then I'm not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, then blah, 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 blah. And I'm letting someone down and blah, 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 blah. And you you know, when you work in, when you're an entrepreneur and you're service based, people will call you at all hours and you could drive yourself crazy, which I did. And Mm. then I started to back those things up as well and say, well, what's reasonable? You know, is it Mm. reasonable that I get back to somebody in five seconds? No. Is it reasonable that I can take 24 hours? Well, yeah, I would, I would give the same courtesy back to someone else in this situation. If I was on the other side, okay, I can let myself off the hook. And I slowly started to let myself off the hook with those things and let go of the belief that I have to have all of it perfect before a different result will come. I started to tell myself me just going in the direction will change my reality and I don't have to be perfect for my reality to change. That's oh, that's so, so good. I, I love that. I actually was having a conversation with somebody uh, a while ago that they were, t- they were, one of their pet peeves was that <clears throat> they could not return texts. When they would get a text, they felt like, like they could text people. When they wanted to text somebody, they would text somebody. But if somebody texted them, they could, it was almost like they would freeze. And they didn't know how to respond and a day would go by, two days would go by and then they would feel guilty and this feeling of guilt and I can't respond because there was a narrative of, uh, some, and this was again, unconscious narrative, but, uh, there was a narrative of I'm not responding in the, in the correct time. And may, and then of course, the longer it took, the more they felt this person's angry with me and I don't want to face that. So there's all this narrative meaning that was given to it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, now if she texted somebody it was on her time, there was no expectation that she would put on those other people, but she assumed that other people had this expectation of her. It has to, there's a meaning if you don't respond in five minutes or 10 minutes, then you don't care about them or they're not important. But, uh, what I discovered in, and this is something that I try to help people with in coaching is that everything is meaningless. <laughs> I know that people are like, what do you mean? Is everything's meaningless? I'm like, no, it's actually, it doesn't mean anything. Nothing means anything. They're like, well, why are you saying life is unimportant? Like, no, it's, it's amazing. But what, what, what do you think? Why do you think life has meaning? They're like, no, because it's, you know, if you're talking to a religious person, they say, no, God, God has made life meaningful. I said, well, then God gave it meaning, right? But it itself is it's meaningless. Who get, we're giving meaning to everything, right? It's like, so we, we, we're the, I always tell people, it's like, well, you're the most important God in your life. And I know that can be very, uh, difficult for some people to hear. And I was like, but you're giving everything meaning and you're creating everything. You're creating your entire future based upon the meanings you're giving to this moment. So uh, if you can understand that it's when p- other people make meaning of actions and maybe you'll say something and they make meaning of that, that's, I've learned to not be liable for the meaning that other people are making. Right. Mm. I'm only, I'm only, able to respond to the meaning that I give to something. So if I'm giving it meaning, then let it be the meaning I choose. Cause I would never choose to view other people as upset with me. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it that meaning. So I can say, Oh, um, the meaning I'm giving this situation is that, uh, that they really, they reached out to me and, uh, I'm loved and they care about me and that's great. That's the meaning I'm choosing to give that, whether or not they actually feel that way. I have no idea of knowing, but if I feel loved, I'm like, oh, this is just evidence of that. And I give it that meaning and then I can respond to that meaning, right? Um, mm-hmm. but, one, of the, um, one of the biggest, most yeah. astonishing things that I ever learned was just how different the meanings can be that people apply to the same event. Oh, totally. Two different people, same event, seeing it and experiencing it in two entirely different ways. And then add in four or five or six other people. Now you got four or five or six other ways that are all completely different from each other. Mm-hmm. And th- there were many, many years where I thought everybody was experiencing everything the same. And when I learned, I don't remember what the first event was where I first grasped this. But when I first learned that people do experience stuff completely differently, that was a shock. That was a big surprise. Oh, Totally. In fact, one of the biggest parts of the surprise was realizing that there were certain events that I gave a lot of meaning to, and the other person in the event didn't even remember the event. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a shock. Right. (laughs) That happened to me with my dad at one of the most pivotal moments of my life. 
mm-hmm. in, in the most beautiful way ever. I had this perception, this story that I had been telling that my dad liked my brother more and that he was, you know, proud of him and which equaled he wasn't proud of me and that he, he just loved my brother more and appreciated him more and wanted to be with him more. And like, I was just always jealous of my brother and the relationship that they had. And we had this barbecue and, um, there's a bunch of people there and it was mostly like my, my business people. I was just having it out at my dad's farm. And my dad's obviously there like hosting and he's talking to this gentleman and he's talking about my brother and I can feel myself getting a little irritated. Like it's my party, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? But I'm not a part of the conversation. They're just kind of like over here and everybody dies down to listen to the two of them have this conversation. So they know everybody mm-hmm. is listening. He knows that mm-hmm. I'm listening, um, but he's not consciously aware that I'm listening. And he says, you know what? My son gave me a gift and I'm, my ears perk up like, what is he talking about? And he says to this guy, you know, my son gave me the ability to relive some of the dreams that I had when I was a kid, but I didn't have the financial ability to execute. So through my son, I got to live my life almost a second time. Wow. Wow. I was like, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do really with my brother outside of that he's a a man and, and he was doing some of the things my dad wanted to do at that age. It had nothing to do with all of that and it had everything to do with my dad. How that's, you know, that's, that's amazing because yeah, you're exactly right. It, it was literally the meaning that, you know, and I totally understand that we, that we give situations, but in reality, this was really more about your dad's story or journey. It was nothing. It was not about your brother, not about you. And that's a principle I've, you know, try to come back to it. Like, what if nothing's personal? Mm-hmm. What, you know, most of the behaviors, I mean, even when people lash out or maybe upset with you, I realize like none of this is a, none of this is personal. This is their own narrative, their own meaning, their own script that's running. And if I can understand that, um, there's, I've discovered that there's really no need to forgive anybody, which is a an interesting thing because true. And that's been my understanding is that true forgiveness is realizing that there's really nothing to forgive. I know that can sound really, and there could be some, that could be challenging for some folks, but you know, if I, if it's their narrative now, that, that's not to say things didn't affect me. That's not to say, you know, I've, I've been unaffected by or hurt by certain things. That's not to say that, but it's not personal, meaning only when it's personal do we have to forgive, right? It's personal. You did this to me and I have to forgive. But if it's not, it wasn't even directed towards me. It's just somebody's own narrative. Then it's like, okay, that's just their own narrative. That's the way they're operating. Okay. The, the Suddenly there's no offense. That. The way I've come to understand it is, is phrased a little bit differently, but I think it amounts to the same thing. The way I've come to understand it is that forgiveness is not about the person being forgiven. It's about mm-hmm. the person who's doing the forgiving, letting go and forgiving themselves and, and just letting go of the things that they felt they needed to forgive for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting about letting go. So if you, if it, if it actually exists, it can be hard to let go. It's like the past. I always tell people letting the past goes hard, but. That's the, te- but then when you realize the past does not even exist. <laughs> We're going to get into quantum physics here in a moment. I can tell. <laughs> it's, it's not even there. Like when we can perceive, it's like, where is the past right now? Like, it's like, where is it? Like, can I find it somewhere? Is <laughs> nope. It, it's not there. It doesn't exist. So I realized, oh, okay. So in this moment, if I can just become aware of this moment, what exists in this moment? Well, there's nothing to let go of. So letting, of letting oh, go is. Well, just letting go is just realizing that there is nothing to let go of. And then there's, you're just, okay, here we are. It, it, it reminds yeah. me of a meditation that, um, uh, one of my, uh, former co-hosts and a good friend, uh, David Strickle, who is a channel, he channels the stream of David. And he was uh, telling me one time about how, let's see, how did this conversation go? Oh no, it, that's right. He was channeling. He was actually channeling the stream at that point. And mm-hmm. in the conversation with the stream, um, it led me to long story short, basically join a boot camp that he does. Mm-hmm. And so I joined the boot camp, and one of the first things you do in the boot camp is a meditation 
that the stream guides you on. And in this meditation, you imagine yourself on Earth and then you're floating up above Earth and you go out into outer space far, far away, you know, like light years away. And then you look back at the Earth, which is this little tiny pinprick. Hmm. And you realize that's how big your problems are. Wow. The Such perspective a... of that is a shock yeah. and it's a delight, all in the same thing, all in one breath. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. It's funny how these tools, not funny, it, it's it, funny. Well, they can be funny, but it, it's, I guess the word I'm looking for is useful. It's, <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal how these tools that we humans have developed and shared with each other over the years give us a way, give us many ways to find our, our way to what you were talking about, among other things, to mm-hmm. letting go of stuff that we couldn't easily have gotten, you know, couldn't easily have let, let go of, to um, finding perspectives we could not have found before, mm-hmm. and thinking about things that are often at odds with the way the rest of culture and society think about things. And sure. then to find that not only can you do that, you can actually feel good about it. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Totally. Well, I think that's how life is, right? What, I mean, think about, you know, not to, I love the mind, right? The mind is, is amazing, right? It's a, it's an amazing tool that we have as human beings. But what is the mind? When you really stop and think about it, what, what is this thing? It's a tool, I think, that we have that helps us understand. It's, it, we use the mind to take apart things. I look at it as like a microscope, right? It, if you want to look at something closely, you know, to see the intricacies of it, and, we kind of dissect things. It's why we dissect things. It's, it's good for a, for a set of, it, it's not, it, it's, it's really not good for perception though. When you, when you think about it. So like when I'm watching a movie, sometimes my wife and I will watch a movie and she gets really frustrated with me because when I'm watching a movie, sometimes my mind gets very active. And so my mind's like, well, I want to understand. I want to, what, what's happening here? What, what's, why is this person doing this and what's going on? So I'll ask a bunch of questions. Why, what do they mean? And I'm, I, I guess expecting her to answer the question. She's, she'll like push pause and she'll say, Hey, listen, I'm watching the same thing that you're watching. And <laughs> I have the same set of information. I don't know the answers to the questions, but right now, like while you're asking the questions, like the movie's playing and then we're missing. So I had to push pause here. But, you know, she's like, she's like, if, if you just watch the movie and perceive the movie, just watch it. All your questions will get answered. And I find that to be really fascinating. And it's obviously, okay. So then we watch the movie and I go, okay, okay. That makes sense. But what I'm, what's happening is I actually have to go beyond the mind to perceive the, what's happening. And how do I do that? I keep an open, I have, I let go of my conclusions, right? What I think is happening. I just say, oh, this is interesting. Let me just perceive. And from that place, you begin to gain all the information the, the questions get answered. And I think that's such an, 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 a, a vital component here in life because a lot of people have a lot of conclusions, right? And I used to be one of them where I'd have all these conclusions about this is the way everything is. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. All these judgments. And from that, you know, I'm only going to see the scenes of the movie that are going to validate what I have, what, what my theories or my propositions are but if i just let go of all of it not to say nothing's right or wrong not to say nothing's true or untrue but just i'm my job is not to pass those judgments or make those evaluations my job is simply to observe and just watch and life becomes much more pleasant you realize like oh this that's why we go to movies because we we want to just observe and we don't know what's going to happen and so and we have we just we're we're observing life and that gives us a pleasant experience. But what if life is that way? What if we can approach life from this place of just let me observe it. And then my participation with life will not be from this place of resistance or conclusions or judgments, which is all the meaning, right? All the, and I, and then it just becomes, uh, almost comical. It's like a game that we're playing and, uh, not that it's not important, but it's, it's a game. Games can be very important. Once, once but, again, you're reminding me of a quote from Ted Lasso. I, I promise this will be the last <laughs> Ted Lasso quote. But it's my favorite quote from the entire series, so i got to bring it in. At one point, I won't even tell you about the scene. It's my favorite scene. Anybody who's listened before knows which scene I'm talking about. It's the dart scene. But the quote that comes out of it is, be curious, not judgmental. Mm. Yeah, see, that's it, isn't it? I love that. 
be because curious. there's such a huge difference between being curious and being judgmental. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, oh, yeah. you know, the, the questions you were asking were, were kind of, from the way you were telling the story, it sounds like you're asking kind of judgmental questions. It's not like you were actually trying to find out. It's like you were trying to figure out where does this fit into the way things should be. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, that's really that's good. The difference. Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that should be on a t-shirt somewhere, I think. Be curious, not judgmental. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, you, you know, felt like living your life from from that place, it's so interesting because as humans, we're like, oh, I don't like the unknown and what's going to happen. I need to control everything. But then we love going to movies and just yes. like sitting and watching because it's the discovery, the curiosity, what's going to happen next. It's the the joy of being in the moment. And exactly mm-hmm. what you said, Jamal, like apply that to your life and you can still have all of those things, except it's your life rather than mm. a two hour movie. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's the fear of the unknown, right? Yes. Why would we be afraid of what's unknown? Again, when you, like you said, when we go to a movie, we don't know how it's going to end. As a matter of fact, if you tell somebody who's going to a movie and let's say you saw the movie and you tell them how it ends before they see it, they usually get upset with you, right? Yeah. Like, how did, you just <laughs> totally ruined the movie because you told, because <laughs> they want the experience, right? Yeah. Of the unknown because it's safe for them. Right? Because we're not attached or identified with the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's, so in life, when we're identified, right, with this is me, this is my story, and this is what's happening, right? That creates the instability. Then if we say, well, we don't know what's going to happen, we get scared because this is me, this is my life, I'm so identified. But if we can detach a little bit, just like going to the movie, we're not attached to the movie, right? It's just, it's playing, it's a story, it's, it's crap. Okay. We can participate with it by engaging with it, but it's not scary because we're not identified with it. So the key is, and people say, well, how do you disidentify with your, with life? Isn't that, is that healthy even? And I always say, well, I think it's healthy. And I think the work, and this is a lot of the work that I think that I'm passionate about when it comes to, um, freedom and, moving people beyond states of suffering is we, we do need to disidentify with who we think we are mm-hmm. um, and disidentify from the story of, of who we are. Because, because when we let go of that story and that can be terrifying, it's like, Oh, if I let go of me, what will I have? Well, that's a good question. It's like, what will you have if you let go? And we call this, you know, it's interesting. And I, this may be a little different subject here, but when people talk about love, I find it fascinating that the term falling in love is how it's described. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I, I, that one threw me for the longest time. Seriously, I'm not kidding. That really it, did. It's, 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 it's an inter- no one ever says like, I'm climbing in love. You're right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm uh, striving in love, you know, or whatever. It's like, no, I'm falling because there's a quality about it that there's some pers- And what is love? It's a perception of whether this is conscious or not. My understanding of love is. Oh, there's an, there is such a resonation with that other person that you say you're like me in some way, right? We can only really resonate with when you hear people say this, they're like, it's like me in a different body. It's like, this is, I totally get that person. They totally get me, right? There's a sense of this person is me. So when you can perceive what's, what's actually happening is you're perceiving self outside of the boundaries of your body. Right. So which causes us to let go which is the falling. And then what our experience is, is love. It's like this bliss, the sense of euphoria, you know, euphoric, you know, state of being that's just really pleasant. And when somebody's in love, it's hard to have a bad day when you're in love, right? It's like somebody mm-hmm. can catch you off in traffic, but you're in love, right? What can go right? It's like, it's okay. They're just having a bad day. It's not yeah. personal. You know, somebody could say something. You you have so much grace for people because you're in love, right? <laughs> but really all that's happened is we let go yeah. in a brief moment and said, okay, that person is me. But in reality, if we just let go, <laughs> like that other person is giving you an opportunity to let go. That's why we call it love. But we what if you just let go? Mm-hmm. If we can learn to let go of what, how of our, what we perceive ourself to be, which is b- our body mind construct, what we will discover is, is this, that we are this, this moment, that we are life in this moment. And that's rock mm-hmm. solid. There's a lot of certainty there. And that, and therefore 
we can embrace a life of the unknowns because it doesn't matter. It's like a movie, right? I'm safe. This actually seems like a good time to bring something in um, from your field of work. Um, we already, Jody already mentioned you have the book Living for a Living, which we need to learn a little bit more about. You also have a workshop, which you told us is, the title is the Sustainable Alignment Workshop. And That's that sounds correct. very much like what you're just talking about here. So I figure this is the time to bring this in. So give us an overview of the book and of the workshop. Yes, thank you for that for that question. Um, well, the book, I'll, I'll touch on the book, um, Living for a Living. Um, I love the title. I'm biased, obviously, but. One of the reasons I love the title. Yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 the, it comes from a pet peeve I've always had. Um, and as I mentioned, so I, I come from a family and my family, um, you know, my dad grew up in a very impoverished part of the world, a lot of poverty. Uh, my mother too, uh, you know, just Southeast Ohio, a lot of generational poverty. And they didn't say this explicitly to me, but growing up, their worldview was that life is, life is hard. Mm-hmm. You got to work really hard just to survive, just to make it. And then it probably still isn't adequate. And uh, that was the message I got. And, um, they worked really hard. My, my parents both, and I appreciated that. I have a, a real sense of gratitude for their sacrifice. They went to work every day, did jobs they did not like, uh, just to put food on the table and have an okay, decent living and wage and that kind of thing. And, um, People would always ask, Hey, what do you want to do for a living? Right. They'd ask, what do you want to do for a living? And I, I knew what they were asking. They were asking, what they're really asking is, what do you, what do you want to do for money? Right. Or, or, or what do you do for money? But I always say, what do you do for money? And this is because of my, what I witnessed growing up. Well, you can do a lot of things for money. It doesn't mean you're living though. And I looked at my parents, mm-hmm. I go, that's not living. Because there has to be more to living than just survival, right? More to living than just paying the bills. There's got to be more to it. And then I started to realize, like, what if I could live for a living? Like, what if my job was to be alive and to experience life to its fullest? And my work, whatever I end up doing for my profession, right, my professional life, what if it could be in alignment with my life? Not like I'd have to leave my life to, like, earn some money? What if I could actually live for a living? And it actually, um, I don't, I don't know if I share this, I don't, if, if I ever share this with somebody, but it, the idea first was birthed in my consciousness when I heard a country song. It was a country music. I'm, I'm not a huge country music fan, but there was this, I, I can't even tell you who sung it now, but the, 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 the chorus of the song was if I could make a, a living of a loving out of, you, out of loving you, a millionaire. I'd, Yes, it'll you. There it is. That's exactly, that's exactly. I'm a country right there. Girl. <laughs> awesome. And I, when I heard that, I was like, that's it. That's it. That's life, right? If I could make a living out of loving you, I'd be a millionaire in a week or two. That's it right there. And so it sparked this idea of what if my living could be in alignment with my love, hmm. with what I'm passionate about. So that's where the, that's really what the book is about. And it's not been, it's, it's not an easy, it, it, for me, it has not been easy transition because I was programmed from day one to that my profession and my work must be about survival and paying the bills. So, so this, it took a, and you know, and it's still a work in progress of really moving from what I call an economy of survival to an economy of love and service. But it's, it's, the book is about my journey. And of course it, 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 it helps readers rethink certain key concepts about how the universe is. And, but it's really my journey into, uh, moving out of the economy of survival into the economy of love and service. So, um, that's, that's what, that's living for a living. So, um, I, I wrote the book that it would be a beginning of a conversation. Um, uh, not the end, but the, but the start of a journey for folks who read it. We, and, we could do a whole show on that one, I'm sure. <laughs> totally. And, and the sustainable alignment workshop is in my coaching work. Um, what I discovered, you know, after several years of doing this, this, this line of work, I realized that a lot of people would come to me because, you know, they're having relational relationship issues or financial issues or all kinds of problems. And I learned that if you focus on the problem, to try to solve, there are solutions to the problems. Always, there's always solutions to any problem. There's always, there's a finite number of problems. There's an infinite number of solutions. I've come to discover this. But if we focus on solving problems, if we start there, it's not sustainable. And the reason I say that is because 
the way we're perceiving life at a very fundamental level is often, oftentimes out of alignment with the way life actually is. And if we're out of alignment, it's like if you drive a car and it's not in alignment, your car, it takes a lot of energy just to keep it on the road. Mm-hmm. So this workshop, I designed a six week workshop that really is all about helping people get into fundamental alignment at a very, at a, at a basic core level with the way life is, you know, cause a lot of people will say, I want to change my life. And I say, that's great. But the easiest way to change your life is you just change your day. And if you can change your day, well, that's your whole life, right? Because where's your life? Your life is today. So, uh, and if you get to the end of your life, uh, it's just a string of days. So how we approach today and learning to live in alignment with the way life is today will give us a net uh, income or energetic increase in our, in our, um, and our energy bank accounts, which then allows us to then that energy income then can lead into the deeper work of recreating our life. But the workshop is really designed to just help us get into alignment at a fundamental level. So it's a six week group workshop that people go through. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, you, you have the next incarnation of it coming up soon. Yes. Uh, so we're wrapping up, uh, our current series that we're, that we have going right now. And, and then the next couple of months, we'll be starting a new workshop. So. So if there's a listener who uh, might be interested in that workshop, how do they find out more about it? Yeah. If you just go to my website, I have a, my, my website is jamaljavanji.com, first and last name. Um, and uh, it's uh, one of the first things that will pop up there on the home screen. So, okay. So we'll make sure we'll include a link in the show notes so people can get there easily. We like to make it easy for people, <laughs> wherever possible. Absolutely. Thank you so yeah. much. And, and is that also the best way to reach out to you to find, you know, somebody wants to ask you a question or, or, you know, share a comment or something. Is that the best way to reach you? Yeah. Yeah. That would be the best, uh, probably the best way to reach me, jamaljavanji.com. And, you know, I'm active on social media. Um, but uh, all those links are on the website. My book is there on the website. Podcast that I host is on the website. All of that's there. So the easiest What's way. What's the name of the there. podcast? It's called The Love Cast with Jamal. Ooh. Cool. The Love Cast. <laughs> The love cast. Yeah. That's, that's a throwback to the seventies with the love boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. The love cast. Okay. That's love, cool. How long have yeah. you been doing that? You know, I, I started it, I believe it was 2016 or 2017. Oh, so a few years. Yeah. A few years. And originally it was to be a, an extension of some of the conversation. So when I, my first book was published in 2017, I believe 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to, keep continue that conversation for folks who had read the book. And so I just started as, as that. And then of course, as I got into uh life coaching and that developed, and then of course my second book, I just kept it going. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, Joey, I think we did it once again. We found somebody who's got some really great stuff to give. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Awesome. Uh, one, one thing that I do have to uh, tell you before you go though, and that is you, like so many people who have been guests or co-hosts on the show, have given a lot to people that you'll never see, you'll never meet. And we never really recognize that the way I think we should. So I like to recognize it by saying on their behalf, thank you for the gifts you've given to them, even though you'll never find out about it. You'll never, mm. you know, in some cases, maybe you'll get an email or something like that. But for the most part, you'll never hear from those people who you helped. You'll never know who they were. You'll never see what the result of the help was, but you helped in ways that, yeah. that go beyond time and space. So on their behalf, thank you for what you do. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I totally receive that. And I, I would like to also say thank you um, because of, of, you know, the shows like yours do just do not exist without incredible intention and consistency and, and a lot of hard work. And I recognize that. And, um, you know, you can't go wrong, uh, whenever you put these kinds of intentions out in the world. And so this, con- these kind of conversations, um, are absolutely vital for folks. And, uh, so I want to thank you for creating the show and, ex- you know, extending the invitation to be here. And, uh, it's not a, it's not a small thing. <laughs> My pleasure. I, I, well, like anything else, it was birthed in pain. We talked about mm-hmm. that at the beginning of the show. That's where it all started. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea it was going to turn into this. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was literally just trying to solve my pain. Talk about solutions mm. to problems. That was it. That was the whole deal. And then I found I loved it. Like, whoa, that was a surprise. I didn't expect that part. <laughs> but it worked out beautifully. So mm. thank you once again for joining us today and for sharing yes. your I love I love your perspective. You you've given us some really cool ways of thinking about things that we, we talk about a lot, but different ways, different viewpoints. 
So thank you for that very much. Of course, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We really do appreciate you as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.